0: I'm not the one who's going to cave in who's going to say more than I fit off more than I can chew I can't make it. I will give you everything to the point of unconsciousness we may not have the talent we may not have the luck sometimes you gotta have connections but if you just have that die-hard perseverance you're gonna get there you're gonna get to your other shore
1: Hey folks, this is Mark Devine. Welcome back to the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and uh, our incredible guest, Diana Nayed. Um We do not take it uh, lightly that you spend your time with us. And uh, like I said, we're super grateful and hope that you find value in what we're doing here at Unbeatable Mind and uh, with this podcast. And if you do find it valuable, please rate it on iTunes. Go give us a, a five-star rating so other people can find it. That would be really cool. Um, Diana, welcome. Thanks so much. Now, before we get into it, I just want to say a little bit about you. We were just talking a little while ago about our affinity for the ocean. So you are uh, an unusual woman who loves to spend a lot of time, or at least have in your past spent a lot of time, out in the open water and have broken world records in swimming. First, when you were 28, when you swam around Manhattan. God, that doesn't even sound like remotely fun to me in those waters. (laughs) We're going to hear a lot about that. And then you swam from the Bahamas to Florida, and then you became the first person ever to swim from Cuba to, I think, Miami without a shark cage. Key West. Oh, to Key Key West. West. Okay, Key West. Miami's
0: way too far. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. That would make sense. And you did that at the the ripe young age of 64. What an amazing thing. uh, You're a speaker and uh, author, and your most recent book is called Find a Way. Awesome. So cool to meet you. I mean, wow. How cool.
0: Where do we start? Vice versa. (laughs) Wow.
1: Wow. The Navy (laughs) SEAL meets the the woman who swam around the world. That is so cool. Practically, anyways. Um, What the heck? Like, that's all I have to say. What the heck were you thinking about? When you were 26 and you decided that you just wanted to swim around Manhattan. I mean, just for- well,
0: it wasn't just some spontaneous moment. I was in a sport. There is a sport called marathon swimming and people. Okay. The earth is four fifths water and people all over the world from the Hellespont to the English Channel to the Sea of Japan to the Gulf of Thailand. A gun goes off and they jump in lakes, rivers, and oceans and race each other the other side. So, by the time I was actually 25, not 28, and swam around Manhattan, um, I had been swimming across Lake Ontario and the Bay of Naples in Italy and all kinds of places. I wasn't a competitive ocean swimmer. Okay. But there are some solo swims. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a mountain climbing. Sometimes you go up with an expedition and sometimes you go alone or, you know, with one Sherpa or, or guide. And so, Manhattan was a solo swim. I came back to go to graduate school that fall after swimming lots of different races during the summer. And a friend of mine said, why are you swimming in these remote, crazy places in Morocco and Argentina when the most famous island in the world is right here at your fingertips? You were born here. I wonder if anybody ever swam around Manhattan. And I thought, yeah, I wonder. So I started researching men had swum around like in the teens at the at the early part of the mm-hmm. 20th century, but women had never done it. Mm-hmm. So I looked into it and I broke the record uh, for even men doing it because nobody had done it for 50 years. So that was an easy record mm-hmm. to break. But I tell you, it was a kick in the pants. I was breathing to the left, looking at Manhattan the whole day. People took the day off work. They were screaming down on the side of the uh boats I mean you know we didn't go out and start that swim for fame we went because it was a cool adventure but by the end the whole world the New York Times and the Today Show and they were all down on the dock and we were like wow people (laughs) paid attention to this thing so it seemed like my first swim because people got to know me then but I had been already an ocean swimmer for five years before Manhattan
1: that is really cool so yeah with that swim it wasn't a race this was just something you decided you wanted to do as a you know feather in your cap kind of thing yeah and so what is what kind of preparation do you have to do to swim around and that was how many miles
0: was that by the way 28 28. 28. uh and you know in all swims you it doesn't matter how far you swim like the english channel is always counted as a 21 mile swim which is kind of a cheat for the people who do the english channel because You never swim as few as 21 miles, but sure, in every sure. swim, you take point A when you step off a shore and point B when you arrive to the other shore. And it doesn't matter what has happened to you in between. You could <laughs> right. dragged by a current out that way. You could have fought and gone off that way. And really, you swam, you know, 50 miles, but you go from the shore to shore and those two points are the distance you swim, so Manhattan, you do have to uh, do a lot of feathering. You go out into the middle of the Hudson, you try to avoid uh, the strong tide down by the Statue of Liberty. So it doesn't matter how many miles you swim. the circle from the point you dive in to the point you finish is twenty eight miles: oh, That's
1: interesting, right. yeah. No, I, I, as an ocean swimmer myself, I totally understand that, you know, if the tide's pushing against you or pushing you off course, you know, one degree send you off in this direction, then you got to counter correct. And you could, you could easily swim one and a half to two, two times that probably.
0: Well, that's why when you look at Cuba, the Cuba swim, which people have been trying the good swimmers of the world, the strong, the fast, the men, the women, the young, they have been going since 1950 across that stretch. And of course, let's forget about the you know, the polar regions, but if you and I were to stretch out on your desk there, on the floor of your office, all the nautical charts of the Earth's surface, we couldn't find a swim where Mother Ra- Nature rages on steroids against a swimmer, as she does between Havana and Key West, Florida. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the east winds that are coming off the west coast of Africa, mm-hmm. traveling 7,000 miles, Every day, those Easterlies bump up against that big Gulf stream, and you've got stiff peaks out there almost every day. You've got these counterclockwise currents, eddies, Hmm. Some some of them are a quarter mile across, so fair enough. If you run into one, you try to skirt around the edge. Your navigator gets you around, and you continue. Some of them are 25 miles in diameter, hmm. and there's no way if you get stuck in one of the arms of that current, you're never getting out unless you're on a boat that can rev its engines and get out. No swimmer, Michael Phelps really? could not swim his so way out of that end up current. Going so going
1: around in circles. <laughs>
0: you 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 and you've seen swimmers you know we've watched swimmers Holy try God. to go across from Cuba and their their navigators are standing on the boat going like this scratching their heads going wait a second we were going north a minute ago and now we're going southeast how is that possible <laughs> well it's because these counterclockwise currents catch you in their arms and you can't see them well from space telemetry you basically you can go up front and try to use water temperature measurements there's a slight gradient degree Uh that's a little hotter within those eddies but as a general rule you kind of get lucky you either skirt around them or you're in them and that particular attempt is over you come back on a better day
1: so you can't map out a journey knowing where these are because they they're, they okay. they just show up in different places. Uh,
0: I I had a um uh, I would go so far as to call John Bartlett a mathematical genius when it comes to the ocean. Mm-hmm. He could plot a vessel going across a current. Um, with the best of them, and he lived in the Florida Keys he knew this this water, but he was literally plotting my course on every attempt we did every fifteen minutes. Hmm. You know I have a certain speed that is pretty pretty darn steady, but then you you suffer you know crises you're into hypothermia you're mm-hmm. in hallucinations you you're into vomiting from the seawater effects etc and when you slow down and you're getting dragged by that gulf stream east 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 now he's got to make up for that mm-hmm. and sub tack you across this eastern current and you're trying to push north because the far—it's already 100 miles. Mm-hmm. It's an undeniable swimming distance. Nobody had done half that distance before, and now you're going to go east and out here. If you if you get dragged too far, you're going to be 130 miles, mm-hmm. and then out east you're going to be 160 miles. So the whole thing becomes untenable. You got to wow. push north. You know, in a training swim, like if you and I were going to go out and do a 12-hour training swim, and, you know, we don't care. We're just out there really for the body and Mm -hmm. for the team, the mind. But if you're not going against that current – I don't care. I might stop for 20 minutes and and look up at the stars and start, uh, you know, tripping out on what I read Stephen Hawking say the night Mm -hmm. before. And, Mm -hmm. you know, on the boat, we're going to have some fun and get into it. But when you're on that Cuba swim, you are northing. Mm -hmm. You're constantly pressing to the north because every 30 seconds you are not pressing north. You're dragging east and you're never going to get there.
1: Wow. So that that provides this kind of relentless pressure to just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And what an interesting thing I never had, you know, of course nobody would know this unless they were talking to you, but you know, this is such a technical sport, isn't it? I mean, you really, really have to have that navigator. Did you yourself swim with a compass or were they just kind of pointing you in a certain direction?
0: No, there would be no reason for me to do it. I'm kind of a, you know, I've got the the body, the training, the heart and soul. My job is to make sure by June, after training for a year, and always in warm, you know, tropical waters, uh, either reeling right off Key West or down in the Caribbean, they're very similar. My job is to stand on that shore, Mark, and say to my team, look, we have no idea what this capricious, you know, mm-hmm. Florida Straits is going to bring us this time. 60 mile you get the best forecast in the world, and you get out there, and 60 mile an hour winds no hyperbole whip up within a couple of minutes. You're out in the middle of the night with your boats. God forbid somebody is swept off or you are. If I'm in the water, I'm separated from my team mm-hmm. with a couple of divers. We have flares, but we may never see them again. I mean, no Coast Guard is coming mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. So my job is to stand on that shore in Havana and say to my team, Look, this is an expedition. You've got, a, you've got experts in every area, the navigator, the jellyfish, the sharks, uh, my, my personal team, the medical team. And I say to them, if something beyond our control, if Mother Nature rages up and winds sweep us off course and we cannot make land after a couple of days, that's one thing. But I will tell you right now, it will never be me. I'm not the one who's going to cave in, who's going to say, hmm. more than I fit off more than I can chew, I can't make it. I will give you everything to the point of unconsciousness. Now let's go out. You all do your jobs that same nth degree way. And if we don't make it across, it'll be mother nature, not mm-hmm. any of us. Mm-hmm. And just like when you're on Everest, Annapurna, K2, 100 mile an hour winds come. You get down in a pup tent. You hope to survive long enough to get down to a lower, to base camp. And they say, not our day. We'll come back another day. hmm Wow.
1: I love that. Is there anyone in the water with you when you swim?
0: There are divers. Um, you know, we go pitch black of night mm-hmm. when when dust comes. Lights, especially white lights, attract jellyfish, mm-hmm. the box jellyfish. Have you ever been stung by the box?
1: Yeah. The Phili- I think it was the box jellyfish. I swam through a whole um, troop of them down in the Philippines once. It wasn't, wasn't a lot of fun.
0: No, that's a, you know, well, it's the most potent venom on earth. Most people who have been touched by the tentacle of the box die instantaneously. Okay. Maybe
1: I did. No, of course not, because no, I got stung, so I didn't die. At least I, I don't think well, I did.
0: Well, I got stung, and I lived through it, too, and you are a Navy SEAL after all. so <laughs> I, okay. I, I, I believe you could have been stung by the box. Uh, there are a few who have been stung and lived to tell the tale. But as a general rule, you don't live through it. It's immediate anaphylactic shock. Your spinal cord's paralyzed. So where was I going with that? You've got this expedition. uh, Driving at at night. who, Who swims with me? Right. At night, starting around dusk, I've got electronic shark shields on the bottom of two kayaks. One's off to the right of me, one's behind me. And those shark shields, they've got like a four-foot-long neoprene antenna. Mm -hmm. And that antenna is floating behind as the kayakers are moving forward. That antenna is streaming out behind. And those two antennas speak to each other, the one to the right and one behind me. They create an elliptical field of electricity, which... You can see all the different, I'm sure you've swum with a million sharks, you can Mm -hmm. see all the different films that most of these sharks with their sensitive ampullae and sonar, they don't want to come through that electricity. You know, a shark out there, 50 miles offshore, no reefs, no bait fish, maybe hasn't eaten in a week or two, Mm -hmm. a little swimmer is coming across, making a low frequency vibration on the surface, signaling wounded fish, dying fish, a shark will come right through that electricity. Uh, So... The electricity is one barrier between me and the predators below, and then my divers. i got six divers. They're all divers very familiar with the sharks of the tropics, mm-hmm. the oceanic white tips, the tigers, the lemons. And they are in the water two by two because they're tired. They're swimming up against resistance while I'm clocking a pretty good pace on the surface, mm-hmm. and they're looking around. Holy and cow. they have no gear. They've got no... Uh, no spear guns, nothing. They've just got a triangular piece of PVC piping. So if a shark comes thrashing up they're toward me, poke them, huh? they, they punch them. They just punch them in the nose. They ease them down. They get them away from me, get them curious about them. I've often asked, how am I going to thank those guys?
1: Yeah, right. You know, they, who, they, who volunteers for that job? That's awesome. They,
0: they, they put my life in front of theirs. And they so believe they're not
1: being drugged or anything? They're actually, they're, they got no, fins on, it, they're kicking and gliding, huh?
0: tried that we tried what do they call those polaris kind of uh scooters scooters, he tried those but they couldn't manipulate because they need to be free and looking around they need to, and they don't even use tanks they free dive so there are two of them one free dives down and he's probably in there for about 45 seconds a minute looking for the fluorescent eyes below then he pops up relaxes for a second, the other guy goes down and they, they do these teams of two all night long. They are how, getting...
1: how long do they do that before they need a break?
0: I think they went on 90-minute shifts. Two covered 90 minutes and there's six of them. So okay. when you get out, you've yeah. got an hour, you've got two 90-minute shifts, three hours, to get yourself together, eat something, rest a little bit before you're getting back in. But I tell you, at the end of those two days, those guys had lost so much weight, they were fried by <laughs> the they end. they
1: were. They were as fried as you were.
0: Yeah, they were.
1: Fascinating. Have you you ever had a close uh, shark encounter?
0: Yeah, I I, uh, unfortunately in a training swim where I didn't have those guys with me got a really good brush up by a large animal. And, you know, what they're trying to do, of course, is rip your skin a little bit and get a little blood going. Mm -hmm. So they come up and brush you first. And as they're brushing alongside of you, like you'd see my bathing suit afterwards and all along the arm here, he was ripping open little, not not bad, not huge cuts, but little tiny, you know. Is it the uh, skin that's doing that? Or? Uh, he's, trying, he's trying to open up the skin a little bit and then he smells. And usually, you know, I love most shark experts that we've ever interviewed over the 40 years of this thing will say, now look, sharks are intelligent animals. They do not could count homo sapien as their food mm-hmm. they do not want to eat you they will not eat you whole now yes one might come up and take a leg or you know take a big chunk of your of your thorax and i said really you don't think that's a pretty serious event to <laughs> lose your leg and then, you know blood streaming <laughs> yeah, out I, don't you know, worry I, they're
1: all going to take your leg I love yeah that.
0: i don't care if they eat me whole at that point take the whole thing you know <laughs> so uh <laughs>
1: I used to tell, you know, when we, um I do uh, train a lot of seal candidates, you know, and we take yeah. them out in the ocean, of course, we tell them that there was a shark attack, you know, just 24 hours earlier, but don't worry about it, you know, no Navy seal has ever been, you know, eaten by a shark, and and so we tell them that the way to, if a shark comes, the way to survive is to stab your buddy and swim like hell. <laughs>
0: <Right>? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Pretty much works. No, yeah, no, no Navy SEAL that I know has ever been attacked by a shark. And yeah. um, I don't know why that is. It's pretty interesting. I've got my theories about it. but
0: Well, I guess, you know, um, I would think that one theory would be that surfers and swimmers are attacked because they are thrashing around right. on the surface, right. giving all that audio sensory that... It's a wounded seal. It's a, If it wears underwater, you're quiet. Like, yeah. you know, scuba divers don't have a problem with sharks, and right. I would think that seals Same are working thing. underwater more than splashing on the surface, right?
1: That's right. And even when we are on the surface, our swim technique is very, very 90% underwater the combat is side
0: it front. so when you're traveling on the surface trying to get somewhere you're kicking with your fins and what are your arms uh dangling behind or well, they out they're, front? It's
1: a, they're in front and the, but the the stroke is all underwater and so oh, you really oh, only, you only break the surface to breathe and so you, you just kind of porpoise on your side it's called the combat uh, side stroke it's very uh, very cool uh stroke and very clandestine so i, I imagine that that answers the question right there because you're not making any splash you're completely yeah. clandestine and most of your most of your time is underwater, actually.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I used to have a repetitive dream, a recurring dream. I haven't had it for many years, but I was, it looked to me like someplace like Cambodia, and I was swimming along in the river, kind of like what you were saying, doing Mm -hmm. sort of an elongated doggy Mm paddle underwater, and I had a periscope, and the (laughs) periscope was looking up, and I was looking at all the different villages. I was like, I was in a you know, like I was a Navy SEAL out right. on a reconnaissance mission, but I oh, and I was, my adrenaline was flowing like crazy. I think, honestly, if I've been, are, are there, I, I got a really ignorant question for you. Are women Navy SEALs?
1: They've just started allowing women to apply. Not, no one has actually made it to the training yet. Oh. Uh, I think um, some have uh, washed out so far uh, boot camp or BUDS prep. It's going to take some years before that actually happens, but they're, they're open to um, try now, you know, but they've got to meet the same standards. So that, that's I the whole thing.
0: Of all the things. If I were 15 years old, right. my 15 my year old self, a girl, uh, you know, powerful swimmer today of all the things I could dream of doing before dreaming of the Olympics. I think I'd want to be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm not saying. I could, could maybe be you
1: could get an age waiver. <laughs> <laughs> Go for that's
0: it. A, I'll be the first ninety-year-old. I'll not only be the first woman. I'll be the first ninety-year-old Navy SEAL. Yeah, that's yeah. Crazy. You're going to be my trainer. That's the I'll only be way. Your out.
1: Trainer, yeah, I'll, I'll get you in. I only publicly support companies and products that I personally use and have found valuable. So I wanted to tell you about Qualia. Now I'm not a supplement geek. I don't find them useful if I'm fueling properly. But when it comes to my cognitive strength and brain health, I am excited about the emerging industry of nootropic supplements. I've been testing Qualia, designed by my friends at the NeuroHacker Collective, for several months now, and it's on the bleeding edge of nootropic research and has become the one supplement that I won't go without on a daily basis. Qualia stimulates what's called broad-spectrum cognitive enhancement, which involves optimizing multiple cognitive variables simultaneously rather than focusing on a single variable. For example, it brings me greater ability to focus and makes me feel more connected while not diminishing my overall awareness of the environment. I experience a systematic enhancement of my brain's ability to take in and process information without any stimulating effect, which would make me feel agitated like caffeine or depleted after the effect wears off. Now, for a busy entrepreneur and athlete like me, it's a no-brainer to invest in my brain health with Qualia. You can get on the Qualia bandwagon with me by visiting neurohacker.com. That's dot com, and use the code unbeatablemind15R. That's unbeatablemind15R to get 15% off the life of your order. Trust me on this one. You won't be disappointed with Qualia. So let's go back there because you mentioned, you know, as a young woman, formative years, like how did you get into swimming? Were your parents or one of your parents really into it? Or what, what, what inspired you to get into swimming? And what was driving you? What was your reason uh, for doing things back then at that young age? Do you remember?
0: Yeah, I do. I, I think it's more your, your last question, you know, because I frankly, of course, it's easy to look at our lives in retrospect, isn't yeah, it? But I, 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 if you tell the story of my life, it has a lot of swimming vocabulary in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I mean, even though I didn't swim for 30 years, from 30 to 60. But the truth is, it never really was about swimming. Oh, yes, I I can... Mark, I can tell you days when I was filled with Stephen Hawking and felt like I was swimming over the curvature of the earth, mm-hmm. training in St. Martin. We swim over to Anguilla. Then we swim over to St. Bart's. Then we swim back to St. Martin where boats are traveling. I'm actually cruising and traveling. Mm-hmm. And there was a high to all of that. And right. there was a an awe of this blue jewel of a planet of ours. So that was in there. But the truth is, I think as a young person, I don't know why, you know, everybody's special. There's something I'd like to ask you when you you know talk about an unbeatable mind and training people to dig down, to drill down to the stamina and the strength they have mentally. When I travel around the world, and I've been lucky, I've been all around the world, I find many people, not well-known people, not people going to war, have will, mm-hmm. and they have the desire to do something right and do something you know, awesome physically, emotionally, ethically people, the human kind is a brave sort. I find it's just that we're not always pushed to that. You know, we, we, we don't necessarily choose uh, to become something as brave as a Navy seal and we're not demanded of it in our everyday lives. But I do think the human being has it within himself to be that person. And for some reason, me a little bit different from bravery, I was always afraid, even as a young kid, of wasting time i was i I just had felt this clock ticking, this pressure of you know well, if i'm eight, you know let's just say my grandparents all lived to be in their young middle eighties. I've only got 70 years to go. Come on. Yeah, let's, you
1: know, get yeah. let's
0: get busy. Let's get busy. So I'm not always, you know, the champion. But one thing I never is lazy. Mm-hmm. I just don't sit around letting life pass me by. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the drive more than becoming a champion swimmer. The drive was to live it big, mm-hmm. big t- tap down into whatever this potential is, mental, physical mm-hmm. and and express that potential. And and sort of I, I'm not a formal coach like you, but I would say if I have any lot in life, especially now that I finish this swim, when I get up on stage, I don't proselytize to anybody. I don't say to anybody, you can be the inner champion you want to be. I just tell my story mm-hmm. and people weep and they laugh a little bit, hopefully, but they weep and they stand up afterwards like they want to get back. They want to get out of this room and get back to their lives and tap down into their individual potential.
1: Yeah, I love that. So you're speaking about passion, you know what I mean? Passion for life. And there's a lot of people who never felt that or maybe have lost that. And so I think that's that's kind of an interesting like malaise. And And maybe, and I think you alluded to it earlier, is that people have stopped needing to be challenged. Right, and that's why a lot of people come to my training, SealFit, and why people are inspired by you, and why I think your walk initiative is gonna, is really important. Is like people need to be challenged. The human spirit grows through challenge, and it atrophies <laughs> if you don't challenge it. And and because we grew up in such an incredibly prosperous time, and you know pretty much all our needs were met, then then we stopped being challenged. You know, and I think that's probably a meta message that we can go t- you know take to the younger generation: and say, get off your duff and go challenge yourself. Go do just do something. And then, then you'll get, you'll find the inspiration, right? Well, if you can't it, find it, the inspiration, it, then go out and take a walk and find it, you know, or go into the woods yeah. and hike. I found it hiking through the Adirondacks. That was my, when I was a youngster, uh, I found my inspiration just walking up and down and running the mountains of the Adirondacks and swimming in the lakes up there. And it was nature and the challenge of uh, being in nature that, that you know, inspired me to yes. be a Navy SIL.
0: So. There you go. And I think, you know, maybe there is a fine line between you, you were just, you know, you were using the word, those words challenge oneself. And then you threw in sort of a subphrase there when you said, just, just get up and do something. So I guess there's a fine line between those. There Mm -hmm. are people who are going to, you know, put on a sturdy pair of hiking boots and and hike the entire Appalachian Trail and, and take a year off work and never let anybody take that away from them, that experience. And then there are others who, I admire who just, you know, something's happening in the neighborhood. The guy down the street, his wife died of cancer. He doesn't know what the heck to do. He's got three kids. His wife was the total homemaker. Well, another woman in our neighborhood, and by the way, a woman who has very few resources, she's working two jobs already herself, but she's the one who comes around to everybody's door. She's got a big clipboard. She says, look, I just put a huge cooler on the back step of Steve's house. Every night for the next year, we, the neighborhood, are going to get four balanced meals into that into that cooler to, to sort of soften the blow of these kids missing their mother, not having ch- dinner together anymore, and Naiad. Yeah, you're the little rock star of the neighborhood. Well, you're like everybody else. You see these dates here? These are the (laughs) dates you're going to get that meal and that cooler. And if you're not around, get somebody else to get it. Well, you know what? I admire that woman. Maybe she's never going to hike the Appalachian Trail. But she's out going door to door. She's getting that cooler on Steve's deck. And I think that's why people get depressed. I don't think it's so much, you know, who am I to say, but that it's really just everybody's natural chemistry that Mm -hmm. they're low. I think they sit around doing nothing and they don't feel productive. Kids get depressed looking at their screens all day. You know, it's one of the reasons Everwalk has come around. It's not only that, yeah, we would love to change the numbers of people with diabetes and heart disease and we've become a sedentary nation, but more than anything, it's just to stand up, walk out the front door, walk down to get the newspaper a mile instead of driving down, you start feeling empowered, like you're... You're covering miles on the earth. You know, it feels good.
1: It does feel good. I love that. <clears throat> I totally agree. So you don't have to. I was just actually, um, I'm going to back up. I just had a, a great conversation with a friend of mine named Kyle Maynard, who was born uh, congenitally with his arms, you know, basically not cut off, but, but stopped, you know, before the elbows and his legs before the knees. And this guy has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and Aconcagua, bear crawling up right? Extraordinary. And what we're talking about is like a lot of people mistake thinking that they have to have this big overarching why. And I even talk about that because I think ultimately people can find that, but it's much more likely that you just need to find some reason that something's more important to you than, than doing nothing. Right. And there's a ton of reasons. So, but one of the most powerful ones, and you were talking about this is to do something for somebody else. Right. Yeah, and so, and I, I like that's why I like what you what you're doing with Everwalk is like if we can if you can do something that's healthy but do it for somebody else now you've got a why and so if if my why today is go walk a mile to raise money for someone or to to find a meal for Steve uh, to help his family then I've got this I'm out of my my little self I'm into my bigger self right and now I've got a real motivation. And I'm going to be doing something healthy, right? And so you begin this like sp- this upward spiral uh, of health, and and that's going to lead to more self-esteem and optimism. And all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be walking five miles or you know, <laughs> swimming uh, around Manhattan someday. You know, you start with these little tiny steps, right? These micro goals. You know, you don't have to yeah. like, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know what I
0: mean? No, oh, no, that's true. And uh, you know, I, I I don't think there's anything wrong, though. Yes. The higher self, the bigger self does involve other people. You're, you know, you're, you're forming community. And, um, you know, we have a vision of, with all this cool new technology, like the Oculus goggles, Mm -hmm. we have a vision of people, a community, a worldwide global community of people walking. If you were, let's say, uh, you were over in Australia, Mm -hmm. and you told me and said, hey, Diana, I'm walking across the uh, Sydney Opera House bridge. There are whales playing under the bridge. Well, we could take our iPhones and show each other a picture of the bridge, Mm -hmm. but with these Oculus goggles, you're in VR, virtual Mm -hmm. reality. I'm actually literally feeling like I'm walking on that bridge with you and you're not showing me some screen together. We're looking over and looking at the whales playing. Well, that is our Mm, vision. Hook up Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and to create this virtual world of millions of walkers out walking together all Mm -hmm. the time. Go to Iceland for the afternoon, you know. Right. Yeah, that's, cool. that's so, the sort of vision.
1: That's the vision. So tell me, um, let's talk talk more about it. So, how did Everwalk come about, and w- you know, what's the mission, so to speak? I I get that vision. That's cool, but what's the mission?
0: Yeah, I think it's um right right on the heels of what you and I are talking about right this minute. Cuba was so personal; mm-hmm. it wound up being something that spoke to a lot of people. You know, I don't mean this in a braggartly way. I'm just saying that. You know, it was the biggest Google search in the world for the two days that we were swimming across the last Mm -hmm. time, Mm -hmm.
1: 2013.
0: I remember that, yeah. I mean, and you know why? People weren't following some athletic record. They could care less. What they were following was a person and a team who would not give up, that this was 35 years of chasing this goal, and it's just every time they got knocked down, even almost died. They came back and they came back. And that's what we admire in people. That's what all of us want in ourselves. We may not have the talent. We may not have the luck. Sometimes you got to have connections. But if you just have that die hard perseverance, you're going to get there. You're going to get to your other shore. So that was a personal holy grail for me, Cuba. And on the other hand, it became a a public moment that, that inspired people to go out and chase their own dreams. But when I got done, I said to Bonnie, my best friend, and she was the head of the Cuban expedition, I said, now it's time for us to turn to the public. We want to give an epic experience to people who are not Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. and they're not Ironmen, and they're not running 25 marathons. They've never done anything like that. But if somebody could walk, from Los Angeles to San Diego, Mm -hmm. they would consider that an epic experience. So we just did, two weeks ago, we walked from LA to San Diego. So we're starting to walk the big corridors of America, but bigger than that, we're forming a nation. We're forming something called Ever Walk Nation, and we literally, over the next five years, want to get millions of people up and walking. Mm. Walking is already, you know, there. Fitbit walkers go Mm. with their 10,000 steps a day. Um, People are walking the Camino Trail in Spain, have been Mm. for centuries. But we want to sort of take the wave that is walking and bump it up into a tsunami (laughs) of millions, especially Americans, outdoors, away from their screens, and walking.
1: That is cool. So, when you do this, are you are you doing like a meetup and you know, hundreds or thousands of people will meet? I mean, how, what are the logistics around that? What's yeah, or is this you know, just you know spontaneous type?
0: Yeah, we're going to do it all online first. Okay. First of all, you know, we're meeting with Facebook right now to uh, talk about this whole Oculus uh, goggles thing. See how it's how it's going to work technologically. How can we hook people up from all over the world to walk with each other? <laughs> and then, Bonnie and I are going to start doing walks every Saturday. Um, we will publish where they are, and we live here, and I travel a lot, but it's more for people to join us Facebook Live and oculus Live, and we will walk in the farmlands of Missouri and around the great lakes of minnesota et cetera and and they'll walk with us when we're here in in uh, California so it's more of a it's more of a virtual walking you know big posse, and then once two, three times a year, we'll do these long real walks down the big corridors of America like. Like Chicago to St. Louis, Portland to Seattle, oh, cool. uh, 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 Philadelphia to Washington, D.C., and all these great places. Imagine if you lived in Boston your whole life and you've always gone down for Thanksgiving to New York City to join up with your grandparents. Well, now imagine you've got kids and that same corridor you've driven a thousand times, mm-hmm. Boston, New York City. You're going to walk it. <laughs> You're going to walk through Rhode Island and Connecticut, and mm. in the fall, with the leaves changing, I'll tell you, most people will never forget it. That's so, uh, we really offer cool. that epic experience at the same time as creating this large virtual community for a right. bigger group of
1: people. Now, one of those longer walks, like how, how far do you plan on walking every day?
0: You know, Bonnie and I originally started thinking of two and three week walks, but the truth is, I think that the human limit, I mean, not in terms of potential, but uh, schedule wise is a week yeah. like that, like LA, San Diego, around 140 miles, 20 miles a day mm-hmm. is there. There were people on this walk we just did who are just, just big time walkers. They've walked the Camino, they've done everything. They, they could easily walk a marathon a day, 26 miles. Mm-hmm. Bonnie and I could walk a marathon a day, but the public can't. Mm-hmm. So if you make it twenty, they've got to train. They got to get those feet ready, the the hips, the knees. Mm-hmm. They got to be ready to do it. They have to have, have some hill climbing, but they can do it. They're mm-hmm. they're 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 not going to be flat out exhausted. They can walk twenty miles in six and a half hours, seven hours with a couple of breaks, and then get themselves ready for the next day. You know, mm-hmm. I think there are lots of people who are capable of that, but they'd have to train for it. They'd have to take it seriously. You
1: know. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to get a group of people to join you on one of those. What fun.
0: I hope that's, so. I've counting gonna, on it, Mark. I'm, I'm counting right, it. We're going
1: to do it. Absolutely. We got a group that's heading over to um Greece to walk the Spartan uh, route from Sparta to Thermopylae where they, you know, they oh, the yeah. 300 Spartans fought off the, the Persians.
0: That's Have you ever done the uh the Inca Trail Machu Picchu?
1: I have not yet. No, it's on my list. Yeah. I really want to do it. I
0: want to go down there. And now, now that I'm walking all the time, I was never a walker. I might as well go and do all these great walks around the world,
1: you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Fantastic. So, what I love about this is not no normally I'm talking to people who've launched like non-profit initiatives and, you know, it's all like the the old story of we got to raise a lot of money and then we're going to go do something good. You're just talking about getting people off their ass and walking. I so said, there's really you know, no like big fundraising. There's no real infrastructure you need, is there?
0: There isn't. Cool? As a matter of fact, people—they, you know, Americans don't trust <sighs> to give money. They're—they're they're very, very suspicious. If you, what do you mean you don't want any money? Then it must be a bunch of junk. You got to give money, and we say no. We don't want any money. We're not raising. You know, you said before, and I feel it, if you go out and do a a walk for cancer, a bicycle ride for AIDS research. Um, Those are all worthy enterprises, and we applaud them. We kind of wanted to be the first one that the reason you're out is because you want to get out in the outdoors. You're doing this for your spiritual health, for your physical health, and then you get to be a community that wants to do it together. But we're not raising money for anything. I don't know about you, but I get a minimum of 12 a month, maybe more, of people I know and people I don't know who are – they're going to do that next marathon, and they have to raise twenty five hundred dollars. Sure. So it's like the twelfth year, and I want to give, but I mean, how much resources do you have to give to twelve different people a month? You know, it's 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 a lot. So I I kind yeah. of uh I want to we want to do something to say you know what we're raising money for nothing. Do you just come out, <laughs>
1: well, you come out I... and just
0: do this thing and go home and have that experience? That's it. right.
1: Be the change you want to see in the world.
0: Yeah. Get out there. And- you. Be the change, yeah, Be the
1: change, I love that, fantastic, wow, well, so your book, find a way is that recent like when did when did that when is that published
0: is that it it Lester. came out last year, uh about this time, and then the paperback came out in the summer, you know, summer beach reading, you okay. know came came out this summer, yeah,
1: I love it, one of our favorite quotes in the seal team was find a way or make a way. uh-huh, right, and so that what it speaks to me because basically what we're saying is um don't take no for an answer. Go out and just yeah. do it. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. Nike said, just do it. Find a way or make a way. There's always a way. You, There's may, not, always a you way. may not know the way, but by, by starting and, and getting on your journey, then it'll be revealed yeah.
0: to you, right? Well, that's, I, I, for so many years when I was younger, I had that Goethe quote on my desk, and uh, you know, I won't quote it exactly now, but it had something to do with just begin. Right. There, there's okay. boldness in beginning. Take that first step and you will find your way. Whereas if you sit back, you know, and, and don't and let inertia, the lack of inertia take over, you'll probably never take that step. You'll never find your way. So just take that first take bold that step. Doubt yeah. in,
1: Doubt is eliminated by action alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There you, go. Beautiful. there you go. All right.
1: Awesome. So people can find you. OK, find the book. Find a way. That sounds redundant. But look for the book. Find a way at Amazon or anywhere else. And uh, that'll probably be a really um, incredible read. I look forward to reading it myself. Where else can they learn more about Everwalk and, you know. You know, it's
0: it's really simple, everwalk.com. Just come on there and click pledge. That means you're going to walk three days a week. We don't care if you walk the dog. (laughs) If you go get the newspaper, just walk. And we're going to try to get a million people. And by the by, you know, like. What do they call that at the new year? New Year's resolution time. We'll have a whole bunch of on that side. We'll have some incentives and some competitions and stuff. But right now it's just a, it's a simple pledge and put your name on the list.
1: Okay. So if I go, so unbeatable mind community, you're listening to this, go to everwalk.com and pledge, You, you know, you're already doing it. So let's support this. And do you send us like notices about um, certain walks that are coming up or yeah, things that we and, can participate well,
0: in? We're building that whole infrastructure now. You know what? Frankly, what we our goal is: we want to become sort of the central, uh, the hub of walking worldwide. So, yeah. if you were about to take a vacation in Vietnam, you could come to our side and find oh, there's a really cool walk on the outskirts of Hanoi. Oh, we're going right. to do that or you're you're you know you live in Pittsburgh and you want to know this year when are the different 5k walks if you want to do a few of them and then training guides and places that you post your training and you know so that all walkers would come to us and we would link you out mm-hmm. to the walking world so we're just now uh, developing that partner with uh Facebook to get all that content on right. our site it's not there yet but it's coming
1: right well terrific let us know how we can help you in the meantime we can support the everwalk and I look forward to meeting you in person and uh, taking a hike. I mean, let's do oh, it. I
0: want to swim along next to you with that <laughs> stealth little uh, river <laughs> Come swimming. down to I, San
1: Diego. I'll teach you how to do it. It's, I, it's a really cool I want to do that. Awesome. All right, folks. Uh, thank Diana, thank you so much for your time. Everybody out there, uh, go support EverWalk. Check out Diana's book. And uh, once again, I really, really appreciate your support for um, listening to the podcast and continuing to learn and grow. Uh, so help us share the, share the word, spread the, spread the wealth, you know, the deal and rate this, uh, rate it.
0: Unbeatable mind. I'm going to tell everybody I know if they're, if they're feeling beatable, all they need to do is hook into Mark Divine yeah. and they'll become. Tell,
1: unbeatable. tell them to go read unbeatablemind.com. It. Unbeatable it's one of, it's my self-published book. It's my favorite one. And, um, because I, I, I get to change it and I'm actually writing the fourth edition right now. Nice. So, unbeatablemind.com. I'll send you a copy if you send Alison, um. I'll get your address from Allison. I'll send you okay a
0: copy. Okay, will do. Thank you so much, Mark.
1: Awesome, Dan. It's super cool it. to meet you. <laughs> All right, folks. Coach Devine out. Bye. See you next time. Bye now. Bye-bye.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lock it boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They out your back. The pride of the fleets. The bright swinging frogman of the UDT. <laughs>